From the field, to the film room, to the war room. The road to the draft, shall we say, ends right here on BGN Radio. Welcome to the BGN Draft Show, everybody. This is our last episode coming out to you before the NFL Draft that will be on Thursday, Friday, Saturday of this week. Uh, BGN Radio will be live during night one of the draft, so you guys can come and check out their content here. Dibes, Mark, and I will be live for all of day two of the draft as well, so if you guys want to come check us out, we'll be doing that as well. We'll also all be back next week after the draft to break down everything, our thoughts on how the Eagles performed. Maybe we'll touch on the other NFC East teams as well. But today, as promised, we have been through a positional breakdown for every position in the draft. Today, we're going to talk about my guys. This is the My Guys podcast. We've got each got five guys that we are considerably higher on or lower on than the rest of uh, than the other two guys. And so we're going to talk about why, how we've evaluated some of these players differently, um, why we've evaluated them differently, and and maybe we'll break out into a few arguments as well. But I'm joined, as I have been for every episode of this BGN Draft Show, by my co-host for Chalk Talk. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Mark Henry Jr. Be sure you check out his radio show, the Tough Cover Radio Show, every Saturday. Mark, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Uh, we aired uh, all all of the positional previews in the second hour of the last few weeks in the Tough Cover Radio Show to uh, to get the information to the people because uh, we've been grinding and it feels like this is the week where it pays off. We get to do the live show. Uh, we get to talk about the picks. We get to say who's wrong, say who's right. The recap shows. Uh, I'm absolutely pumped. One of my favorite weeks of the year. All right, and we are also joined again as we have been every week. By Dibes, give him a follow on Twitter at Mr. Crockpot. You can check out his podcast, Party on Broad. Dibes, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, man. It's Christmas week, uh, as everyone here. There's nothing better than NFL Draft Week. It's bittersweet for me because I've been doing this since last summer. Uh, I, as much as I love it, it's kind of it's kind of emotional when it when it ends. Uh, because I love it so much, but we'll be back at it in May covering the 2024 draft. <laughs> all right. All right. It's getting an earlier start than ever before this year. And uh, it's great. Yeah. It's always, it's always a little sad because there's players you become attached to oh, yeah. that, you know, the Eagles aren't going to draft, but it becomes official uh, on Thursday, Friday and Saturday. So, uh, but we'll cope and, Maybe one, you know, I love Chauncey Gardner Johnson in the draft, and I wanted the Eagles to draft him so bad. And finally, five years later, he ended up an Eagle for a year. So maybe we'll live out those dreams sometime in the future as well. Two things on that. The fun thing is, Dives is a little bit less NFL focused than me and Shane are. He's much more Eagles focused. And he, because we just talked about it, he gets the jump on us with the scouting early on during the college football season in a way that me and Shane we just don't do as well as dives does. Nobody does. So he almost does really say goodbye to these players. Like if they're <laughs> not on the Eagles dives, isn't thinking about them. So me and Shane, at least like we go back and forth. And then, you know, because I'm a better football fan than Shane, even though he likes to be, he likes to pretend like he's the only football fan. I'm a true fantasy nerd. So these guys become a huge part of my life as a gambler and a fantasy guy. So uh, I don't have to say goodbye quite as much as you guys do. Yep. And it's a a travesty. (laughs) Fantasy football is a travesty. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's dive into it. We've each got five guys that 
uh, were considerably higher or lower on than consensus. Uh, this draft spreadsheet that we're using to compile all this, it'll go out on Twitter later this week, so you guys can track along during the draft with our big boards if you want to. But we're going to dive in here. We're going to start with one of the guys that's been deemed my guy. It is cornerback Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Uh, he comes in at number 19 on my big board. Uh, he is 35th for Mark. He's 58th for Dive. So uh, his consensus rating on our big board is 37th, but I have him at 19th. So that officially makes him one of my guys. And um, I, I love I love Deontay Banks. If I'm being honest, I think Deontay Banks is going in the first round of this draft. I don't know. I don't know if you guys think he's going to go in the first round, and you just view him a little lower, but. I think he's absolutely going in the first round. Um, his athleticism, like his physical profile, obviously I'm an, a relative athletic score guy, but he's a 10.0 relative athletic score. And this isn't a Tariq Woolen, who's really raw. Who, he still never should have fallen as far as he did based on his athleticism. But when you can get a guy that's this athletic and he's not, I mean, he's not just this super raw guy. Like he, he looks good on film. He's, strong at the catch point, a good tackler, all of those things. I think the biggest thing for him is just his lack of co collegiate starts and his lack of exposure playing at Maryland. Uh, obviously, 2020, he only played three games with the COVID shortened season. And then in 2021, he only played two games with a shoulder injury. So 2022 was really his first big exposure, and it was for Maryland. And so I, I really think if Deontay Banks played in the SEC or if he played in the Big Ten, I think he would have gotten more exposure and I think a lot more people would know his name, but I feel pretty strongly that Deontay Banks is going at the end of the first round. Um, I don't know. Do you guys, do you guys agree with that? Do you think he is going to go the first round? You just have him a little lower or do you think he's more of a second round guy? I think he's fringe. Like I, I think it could go either way. Like I think if he goes, it'll be in the twenties um, or, or maybe in the back the, the last couple of picks. I don't think he'll go in the top 20. Maybe I'm wrong there. Um, Cause I do think there is a lot of corners in this draft. Yeah. It, I think you hit on it. It's the lack of tape more than anything uh, in a pretty deep DB draft. I, I just, there isn't as much tape out there. The ball skills aren't evident. He only had one pick uh, throughout his career there, I think. Um, so it, it's not like a guy that wowed me on tape. But when you talk about the athleticism, this is a guy who I probably had in my 50s going into the combine, maybe. So this is a guy who I've propped up because of those traits that he's shown throughout the process. Uh, but I'm at 35. It's not like we're talking about a guy I don't like. Um, I, I think he definitely has a lot of upside. My comparison is to poor man's Marshawn Lattimore because uh, he's a pretty direct athletic comp to Marshawn Lattimore. If he turns in an 85% career of Marshawn Lattimore's you know, good years, that's a, that's a pretty good player. Uh, but yeah, it's just, he's not great in press uh, and, and there's not a ton of tape. So those are really the, the only issues there with him. Yeah. All right. Anything I'd you lead, want? I'd definitely lean towards day two for Deontay Banks. He's just in a crowded group. When you talk about Clark Phillips, Emmanuel Forbes, Cam Smith, um, that's where I would, I would put those guys above him. And if you're including defensive backs, like a Sidney Brown, think guys like that, I think he falls. And I, I like Deontay Banks. I would even argue maybe even DJ Turner could go above uh, a guy like, like that. So for me, I think he's just going to fall. If there is a chance, there is a chance that as we, I talked with Mark Schofield on our cornerback show, that there are so many cornerbacks, there's like a rush of cornerbacks in that mid to late first round that teams will just jump on getting a guy like Deontay Banks. So there is a chance, but 
very low chance. I think he's a day two guy. Yeah, there, that is one thing. It is for as as weak as this class is overall in a lot of areas. It is very deep at cornerback, so that can push some guys down the board. So, okay, let's pivot here. We're going to talk about one of Mark's guys now, uh, and that is wide receiver Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. Uh, Mark has him at twenty three on his big board. Dibes has him at forty one. I'm at fifty two. So, our consensus ranking is forty one. Uh, Mark is considerably above that at twenty three. Dibes is right there, and I'm considerably below that so mark uh hyatt your comp for him is deshaun jackson so uh talk to me about jalen hyatt and why you're so high on him yeah there's a lot of deshaun there there's a lot of will fuller there as well um definitely a burner at the beginning of this process i didn't expect to be this jalen hyatt super fan who was much higher than honestly you guys can tell me i look at a lot of ranks through across the draft industry I haven't seen anyone else have Hyatt as high as I do. And in the past, that might have made me question myself. But I keep looking at Hyatt, and there's a chance that I'm being a prisoner to the moment of October where Hooker and Hyatt lit up the college football world and against Alabama and others. This guy put up six catches for 207 yards and five touchdowns against an Alabama secondary that will have a first-round pick in Brian Branch and a day-two pick in Eli Ricks. He may have only had 67 catches on 89 targets, but they were loud. (laughs) 1,267 yards and 15 touchdowns. And this isn't a guy who is a bad athlete or something. I understand that there's a a concern about the size, but those size is factored into relative athletic score. And this guy had a 9.49 relative athletic score, and he didn't even run nearly as fast as people were expecting to see him run. But tape doesn't lie, and he has football speed in a way that I just you don't see very often. Deshaun Jackson, Will Fuller type speed down the field. 4-4 is really underselling how fast this guy can be down the field. People that are low on Jalen Hyatt love to point out that he hasn't dealt with press coverage, and I know that Shane has some concerns about that. My answer to that has always been, good luck covering Jalen Hyatt's speed and press coverage without help over the top. And if you're getting help over the top on Jalen Hyatt, then you've already won the game. Like that's the point. You're either taking two guys out of the play or you're defending a guy in press who's way too fast to defend in press. He won't have to deal with it much in my opinion, because it's just a foolish strategy against him. People will point out that he was used in Uber specific ways in Josh Heupel's scheme. I point out that Josh Heupel's not the only genius who knows that he's fast. Other people will be able to figure out that Jalen Hyatt's fast and can be used in interesting ways. People will point out his size, and the last thing I'll say is just like I do with Bryce Young, just like I will with Emmanuel Forbes, just like I did with Devontae Smith, I'm more forgiving with size concerns when it comes at the highest level in the SEC. And that's where I'm at with Jalen Hyatt. I think he's a no-doubt first-round pick, and don't let Kansas City get their hands on them at thir- or get their hands on him at 31. Yeah, when I did my I did a mock draft that I put on Twitter the other day, how the first round would play out if I was the GM for every team, what I would do. And Jalen Hyatt was the Chiefs pick at 31 or 32, if you want to call it 32, however you want to litigate the Dolphins pick being forfeited. But and it was over some guys that I have ranked higher than him in my rankings. He's just such a perfect fit for Kansas City. So I mean, yeah, Mark hit my concerns. I'm just more concerned there than than he is. Dibes, do you want to add anything in on Jalen Hyatt? And then we'll talk about one of your guys here. When you talk about fit with the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, you talk about replacing Quez Watkins in the slot. That's the biggest question mark, his route running and what he does 15 yards in 
that's everybody knows what he can do with vertical routes, and uh, he's arguably the best uh, downfield threat in this draft. Um, he squashed all those, uh, you know, naysayers at the combine, saying he can, uh, he is a plus route runner and things like that. But we just don't have a lot of evidence to support that. Uh, I'm really high on Jalen Hyde. He was my number five wide receiver uh, in this draft. Um, I saw a mock today having him go to the Eagles at number 30. Uh, would I be upset about that pick? Probably not. I, I think they could do a lot worse at number 30. Um, there are some question marks, but like Mark said, you know, when, when you're performing at that level in the SEC and just dominating, and he looked so much faster than his combine time uh, on tape. I mean, he's he's legit. He's a legit talent. Put him at wide receiver. Put him at wide receiver three for the Eagles and send him deep every play and force teams to either deal with dealing with him deep or AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Like right. I, I love the fit at wide receiver three. Even he might not be the prototypical underneath slot receiver guy. I don't know how much you need that when you have Kenny Gainwell, you have Dallas Goddard, and you have Smith who can who can kill you on the inside as well. So um, I, I think you could make Jalen Hyatt's speed work in this Eagles offense. All right, let's go to one of Dibes' guys. It is center John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. Uh, consensus, he is 35 on our big board. Dibes, you have him up at 17, well above consensus. <laughs> so talk to me about John Michael Schmitz. All right, I mean, I mean, you have to start with this is a generally weak draft. So normally, um, I wouldn't even go like this, but in this draft, the sure things – the high floor guys get bumped up just a little bit for a lot of these guys. And John Michael Schmitz has an incredibly high floor. Uh, this is a guy who had the high, he was the highest graded center in college football last year. Amazing size, six foot four. Uh, he's a little bit old for the position. He'll be 24. He just turned 24, actually. Uh, but power, body control, football IQ, all of those variables suggest that this is uh, one of the premier plug and play starters from day one in the NFL. He's not uh, the most athletic interior offensive lineman, but I think he is the most pro ready. Uh, so you, you look at this guy, he's allowed two sacks, five hurries, one quarterback hit on six hundred or seven, 767 offensive snaps in his career. Uh, he hasn't seen a single snap outside of setter, but I think he's got the athleticism to kind of fill in at left guard or right guard if he has to. Uh, he's a versatile run blocker, uh, experienced playing in both man gap and zone blocking schemes. You look at Minnesota, they were a run first, run heavy offense that had a, a very diverse running game uh, that mixed in a variety of techniques. So I think this guy is a, a major competitor. Uh, he's a reliable pass protector. Uh, he's got really good footwork. Um, he, yeah, I, I think <laughs> in a draft that really struggles. Uh, to, to have a lot of guys that can play from day one, especially in that mid to late first round area where and day two, where there's a lot of developmental projects and uh, toolsy guys um, all over the board. John Michael Schmitz is a sure thing. And I don't know why people are sleeping on him. I think he's a real deal talent. I get positional value, um, but we'll see. Yeah. I, that's one of those things where, there's the evaluation of a player and our evaluations of John Michael Schmitz are the same high floor plug and play center, but our valuation of that player at that position is what's different. So it, for me, 
I don't disagree with anything you said about John Michael Schmitz. I'm just generally lower on a center than you are. Um, even, and I was higher than anybody on, on Creed Humphrey the year that he came out and Kansas city drafted him. And I still didn't, I still didn't have, you know, I wouldn't have taken Creed Humphrey that highly. So, uh, I'm with you on what you think of John Michael Schmitz. I just can't put a center that high on my board is, is ultimately where that one comes down for me. Yeah, I I don't think he's like a, a Creed Humphrey level. I don't think he's going to be a Creed Humphrey level center also. Like I, I don't see him getting to the second level as an athlete, like a Jason Kelsey or like a, like the truly, truly elite centers out there. Um, but I think he's a plug and play guy. Like I compared him to Ben Jones, which might sound like, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, who's Ben Jones? He's been like a pretty decent starter for a pretty long time. Like, I, I think that's how I look at John Michael Schmitz. Like, I think he'll plug in and I think he'll be a pretty average to above average center. I mean, I think he'll be that from day one. Um, and a, a lot of the time I've said I'm more forgiving on positional value and, and I'm willing to rank running backs and safeties and interior alignment higher than others. But when it's just a center who can't play guard, I struggle with that a little bit. So when there's guys who can move around on the offensive line and the interior line, I'm generally a bit higher on those types of guys. But John Michael Schmitz, I mean, he's a lock to go in in the first two rounds and in the in the first sixty picks, in my opinion. And he can start right away. All right, let's go on to uh, my second guy is Tuli Tuipolotu out of USC, and you can call him an interior defensive lineman. You could call him an edge. I'm not, you call him whatever you want. I'm 37th on him. Uh, our consensus big board has him at 53 overall. I don't know how you're going to use Tuli Tui Pelotu at the next level. I think he could be uh, in, I, I think he could play inside or outside in a 4 3. I think he could be a D end in a 3 4. Uh, he cut a lot of weight in 2022 and got a lot more athletic, and he led the NCAA in tackles for loss and sacks. So he's a highly productive player. He's explosive off the line. He's got a lot of pass rush tools in his toolbox, but I he's 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 an ultimate tweener player. Like I wouldn't trust him as a pure edge rusher. I don't think he's got the bend to win there consistently. U- ultimately, I feel like you have to have a a plan for Tui Tui Pelotu. You're either he's either going to have to commit to like bulking back up to be an early down player and sacrifice that athleticism, or I think he's got to stay trim and athletic and be a late down player. I'm not sure he can be a three down player. And so there's a lot of flexibility there. There's a little bit of something for everybody, depending on what you want to make him, but very aware that a lot of times those players don't pan out. And so he's an intriguing athlete who has a lot of production in the college level. It's going to be more important for him than an, any non-quarterback probably in this draft, the scheme that he lands in, the team he lands with, and how they choose to use him because that's going to make or break at Tui Tui Pelotu's career, in my opinion. So uh, I'm a little higher on him just because I think he can appeal to a lot of teams, but you're going to have to have a well-defined plan for what you want him to do. Yeah, I have in my scouting report, 
I could be way too high on Thule or way too low on Thule, and I have him at 61. So I, I can understand pretty much any ranking on him. He's a tweener. I always kind of struggle with tweeners at, in, on the defensive line, and I struggle with guys who I don't know if they can play three downs. I always prop up guys who can and kind of penalize guys who I'm not sure if I if they can. So that's where I'm at on Thule. I, I could be way too low or too high on him. All right. I, I don't buy it. I mean, the exact opposite of a John Michael Schmitz. Like, this guy is going to need a defensive coordinator uh, that can get creative, you know, attack those mismatches, use that guy on, you know, you know, pass passing downs, things like that. I, I, I get really worried about this guy's draft stock. I would be shocked if he's drafted round two, uh, round three. I could see it happening. Uh, but I could definitely also see him falling to day three because of the tweener. I think it's more of a negative than a plus on my end. All right, let's keep rolling here. Uh, Mark's number two guy is safety Antonio Johnson. Uh, he is number 25 on Mark's big board. He is number 44 on our consensus big board. So Mark, what do you like so much about Antonio Johnson? Yeah, it's probably a little bit of a departure from the rest of my list because he's not as much of a freak athlete as the other guys. This is my tape guy. This is like my my guy that jumps off the screen on tape for me. It's less of a less of a bet on athleticism, but he is freakishly big for safety at 6'2-200. This is a big guy. 45240, pretty solid for a safety. Really, really good PFF grades in both 2022 and 2021. Good in run defense in terms of PFF grades and good in coverage. Two-year starter, three-year contributor. Played slot corner his first two years um, starting at, in Texas A&M. Definitely versatile, which always helps with me. I think he can bounce back and forth a little bit. Um, and I do think he's got the size and traits to be a true safety. But he can play nickel corner, can even play dime linebacker in some packages. Uh, he plays great against the run. He's masterful defending screens, huge tackle radius, crazy burst. Um, you'd like to see more plays on the ball, but you'd, you'd think you'd see that more at safety, which he hasn't played as much of as he has at, at cornerback. Um, the NFL comp side make for him, I, I would throw Jesse Bates out there. Um, he's a pretty exact athletic and size comp uh, to Jesse Bates, who played on the Bengals for a while and just signed for big money with the Falcons. Really, really good player. Um, we need to improve his ball skills. Uh, Jesse Bates has really, really been a, a good uh, ball production guy at safety in the NFL, but Bates wasn't that in college. So it, it's kind of, it, it's proven that it can be traits. Traits can prove out in the NFL that haven't in college. So I think Johnson's a guy who can play right away. I think his, he's got the ability to grow. He's got the ability to improve. Um, people have compared him to Rayshon Jenkins. People have compared him uh, to uh, Adrian Phillips. Uh, I've seen Adrian Amos. There's been a lot of comparisons out there for Antonio Johnson. But then I feel like most mocks, are he's late second round. Um, I mean, PFF, I think, has him in the 60s even though they grade him out so highly. I don't really understand what I'm missing and what I'm supposed to be lower on Antonio Johnson for. Is it just that I'm, in general, higher on safeties? I don't know. It's Perhaps. Is athleticism maybe as well, the 5.41 relative athletic score? I like Antonio Johnson. Uh, I am a little concerned about his athletic profile, how that works, how that translates. I'm, my fear with Johnson is that he's going to end up needing to be a guy that's in the box. And so that limits your value if he's limited there. And I'm not saying he will be, 
Uh, but that that's my bigger concern with Johnson. That's why I have him a little further down than you do. Yeah, that's what it is, Shane. That's, he, I think this is one of the premier like safety linebacker hybrids in this draft. Uh, I think he's definitely a round two guy. Um, I agree, Shane. I think he thrives in the box. I'm a little worried about his coverage skills. Uh, you know, being a center fielder in that backfield, that's probably not the best way to get the most out of this guy's talent. Uh, but he's a very uh, smart football player um, in the right system. I could definitely see him thriving. So uh, round two guy for me. I'd, I'd love to see him in this system in yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. Okay, not let's go. It. Not falling in love with safety. Nope. Nope. He had second round. How he took Nate Allen. How he's taken. He's taken safeties in the second round. Jaquan Jarrett. Jaquan Jarrett. <laughs> Just fall in love with a safety, and then in four years, when the team that drafts him gets sick of him, they'll trade him to Howie for a fifth round pick. Yeah, that's your best chance. So, all right, let's go to Dibes, number two guy. It is linebacker Trenton Simpson out of Clemson. Dibes has him as twenty six on his big board. Uh, overall consensus has him at 38 between the three of us dives. Uh, talk to me about Trenton Simpson. What What's so intriguing about him? It's a really bad linebacker class. And maybe it's just me because I overvalue linebackers that thrive in coverage. Uh, but he's one of the premier guys. And especially in a class that doesn't have a true star, you know, a guy that has upside of being a star at the next level. I think Trenton Simpson absolutely checks that box. Freak athlete, six foot three, two hundred forty pounds, four four three second forty yard dash at the combine. Um, he's a guy that can thrive in the box. He has sideline to sideline range. Uh, again, uh, checks off a lot of boxes in coverage. Uh, he's a really good blitzer. Had thirty one pressures and seven sacks in twenty twenty two. When he when Clemson lined him up against slot receivers, he only allowed eighteen catches and one hundred forty four yards across twenty eight targets. Um, so, I mean, Trenton Simpson, again, is a guy that has a really nice upside. Um, I think he has the instincts to fall back in coverage and pass defense. And that's the number one thing I like about this guy, uh, in a class that doesn't have a lot of them. Um, so if you're talking about, uh, a, a surefire, uh, impact starter from day one, Trenton Simpson is not that guy. Uh, let's be honest. He's got a lot of work. Uh, he needs to be coached up uh, at the next level. Um, but for me, I, I think it's just a matter of finding the right role for Trenton Simpson, finding the right coordinator to kind of coach him up. Uh, he's a bit of a project, but I think his athleticism, his coverage skills, potential coverage skills, and his versatility, uh, I think the talent is there uh, to develop. So I'm surprised I'm the highest on Trenton Simpson, uh, but I could definitely see him getting selected in the back end of round one. Yeah, I'm surprised you're the highest for him as well because Mark's comp for him is Jeremiah Usakoromoa, a guy that Mark absolutely loved. I believe he was a top 10 player uh, in that draft. So, Mark, you see some JOK in Trenton Simpson. Uh, why so low? Why why do you have him down in the 40s? Um, I think it's a little – he just doesn't have the same freakish athleticism. He, I mean, he's 984 RAS, so that says uh, a lot. Um, I think he's got different athleticism. I don't think he's quite as quick twitch as JOK was. But more than anything, I, I don't think he's got great ball recognition skills. Um, so I, I think that is what the difference is between him and JOK, where JOK was, you know, a slot corner at, at times at Notre Dame. They just used JOK in so many ways. Trenton Simpson was used in, in a lot of ways, but not nearly 
uh, the variety of ways that, that JOK was. So um, I, I do like Trenton Simpson a lot, though. Um, it, he's freakishly long arms, freakishly big hands, uh, definitely runs a, a really fast 40. Um, so he's got a, a ton of athleticism, but he weirdly seems to lack in some areas of awareness. Um, I, I think a lot of the, the issues I have with Simpson are based on tape. The idea, uh, I love the idea of Trenton Simpson. The idea of Trenton Simpson is definitely uh, tantalizing. Yeah. All right. Let's keep rolling here. We'll go to our third. My guys, uh, for me, it's going to be running back Tank Bigsby. I have him at 69th on my big board. He's my running back four in the class. Our consensus big board has him at 86. And Trent, or Tank Bigsby, beyond just having the best name ever for a running back, uh, he lives up to his name, like powerful north-south runner. He's always falling forward. Now, the reason people don't like Tank Bigsby is his 4.5840, which was 40th percentile. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter. Like, I am the RAS guy. And this is the position it does not matter for. Every year, people fall in love with the running back that lights up the combine. And it just doesn't matter. And so to prove it, I'm going to start reading to you. Uh, the top RAS scores from 2019 to now for running backs. Uh, we've got Kini Nwagu from 2021 Iowa State, Rashad White, Jeremy Cox. Stop me when we get to someone that's been decent. Uh, Chris Evans, Master Teague the Third, Xander Horvath. These are real people. Zamir White, Alex Barnes, Charlie Volker, Jake Funk, Bryant Kobach, Ty Johnson, Trey Sermon, Kyle Borsa, Maurice Berkey. And then we get to Jonathan Taylor and it dies out. But the I main thing is Trey Sermon. Yeah. The main thing is like people love the Devon A chains and the Tajay Spears that can go run a 4-3-40. And it just doesn't matter for running backs. It rarely matters. It rarely translates to success. So yes, he's not the fastest guy, and that's why people don't like him. His 10-yard split was a 154, which is 70th percentile. He's got enough burst to make it work. And so I'm in on the tank. I I'm in on him. Uh I would love to see Tank Bigsby in the Eagles' backfield on a day two pick, I just I like I like a running back that can run a guy over. And the Eagles they have that if Rashad Penny stays healthy. Outside of that, they don't have it. Uh, I like Tank Bigsby. You guys don't though. You're haters. You're drinking the haterade. Uh, Mark disres or no Dives disrespectfully has him outside of his top 100 at 112. Dives, what's going on, man? Ah, there's just running backs I like more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not going to lie. Like his, abil his ability to plan his foot and change direction is one of the best in this class. That's what he's really good at. Um, again, he's, he's a physical runner, uh, tough runner, good power, good straight line speed. Definitely has the upside of being a potential three down starter. And like what we talked about during our running back show, I watched a lot of Tank Bigsby. He looked like the best player on offense. Uh, most of the time at Auburn. So I don't know. Maybe it's just because the Zach Charbonnets uh, of the world, the Devin A. Chains, even Roshon Johnson, even the idea of a Roshon Johnson over Tank Bigsby. Uh, I, I, I can't explain it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to Mark's number three guy. It is edge rusher Derek Hall, also out of Auburn. Mark has him at 41. He is 62 on our consensus big board. Uh, Mark, talk to me about Derek Hall. 
Derek Hall's a guy I've been hearing is rising up boards a little bit. Um, I, I've, there's been some visit talks with him in the back end of the first round, potentially. Um, Derek Hall's a guy who I, I really, really like. And this is an, uh, this is another tape guy for me, but he is also a, an athlete, 9.24 relative athletic score. Shane's an RAS guy, unless besides when he's being a hater, like he is on Derek Hall. Um, elite in the 40 at 4.55, elite in the 10 and 20-yard dash, elite in the broad jump, very good in the vertical, incredibly long arms. Uh, this is a guy with 18 sacks over the last two years with 53 hurries over the last two years, 74 hurries over the last three years, a deadly first step. He gets on you quick. Um, one of the highest motors in the entire class. Um, he, you know, sideline to sideline speed, total gamer, definite dog mentality, as Nick Sirianni would say. He was a team captain at Auburn. Um, so don't hold that against him, though. Uh, solid against the run, but it seems like he has the traits to become a great run defender. Um, he's not going to provide much in the way of interior versatility, but he should be able to handle any role outside of the tackles. Um, he's very, very similar athletically and physically to Carl Lawson, a very solid pass rusher for the Jets, formerly of the Bengals, also formerly out of Auburn. Uh, this was a former three-sport three athlete who starred in basketball and track as well, four-star uh, prospect coming out of high school. So Derek Hall, I feel like, is a guy who we just haven't heard nearly enough about throughout the process, and I think you can chalk that up. Similarly to Dives talking about Bigsby and the running back class and how there's a lot of options, there's even more in the edge class. So um, it's easy for guys to go under the radar. Uh, Adiba Wara is a guy who's probably went under the radar for me. I probably have him too low. Um, but I think I, I think that way about Hall for a lot of people. I think people are too low. All right. Uh, Dibes, on to your guy here. It is offensive lineman Andrew Voorhees yeah. at USC. You have him at 49 on your big board. Mark and I did not have him in our top 100. So um, tell me what you like so much about Andrew Voorhees. Um, I was I was surprised when we were looking at these lists that you ended up still having him that high. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when we're talking about talent, that's where I have him on the big board. I know. Let's talk about why he's going to fall. Uh, but Andrew Voorhees is one of the most experienced players in this class. Uh, played nearly 3,500 snaps in six years, five years either as a full-time starter or a starter for most of the season. Has only given up 11 career sacks. Really great size, six foot six, over 320 pounds, immense base, uh, ridiculous power, ridiculous strength, can absorb uh, blows, stay attached to blocks, man. Uh, this guy's an incredible competitor. Uh, he competed on the bench press uh, despite tearing his ACL at the combine and still outperformed the offensive line group with 38 reps. I think he's a scheme diverse player. He's comfortable with a lot of different concepts, just elite versatility. Again, he's played an insane number of snaps, 400-plus at each, the left tackle, left guard, and right guard. The biggest concern here for Voorhees is that torn ACL that he suffered at the Combine. It was reportedly a clean tear um, and is likely going to delay his rookie year until uh, who knows what. Um, so NFL teams could maybe look for another guard that can make an immediate impact. And we could see his draft stock fall because of that, possibly to day three. Um, but I think even if Voorhees starts as a backup uh, from the jump, I don't, I, I see this guy having a very quick path to being a starter uh, sooner than later. 
Negative wise, he's also got short arms um, and he kind of struggles against longer defenders uh, who can kind of get their hands on him first. Uh, so talent wise, I've got a round one, two grade on this guy. Uh, but I agree the concerns are that injury. Um, but his power, uh, his size, you look at Landon Dickerson. Uh, I, I like this guy a lot. And if he's there <laughs> on day three, what immense value. Yeah, it's unfortunate uh, that he tore his ACL at the Combine because I, I think he's definitely going to be there into day three just because he's not going to be able to contribute as a rookie. But uh, hopefully he lands in a good spot and uh, a team is willing to take the long view on that because I do think he's a good player. But I was surprised that he didn't fall some for you after the injury. Okay, let's roll into round four here. Are the fourth guys on our uh, my guys list for me? It is wide receiver Rasheed Rice out of SMU. He is fifty first on my big board. He is number sixty three overall on the consensus big board. And this is I don't. This is a strange receiver class. It doesn't have the immense top end talent. Obviously, we all like Jackson Smith and Jigba quite a bit, but outside of that. It doesn't have like the elite talent, but there's just a lot of guys in this class that you can get to plug into your system. And it's a lot of slot guys, a lot of smaller guys. Uh, and Rice isn't an exception, although at 204 pounds, he, he is kind of an exception that he actually weighs over 180 pounds. Not many of these guys do, but he's just sort of average speed, average size. He ran a 4.5140, which is 51st percentile. His 1.49 10-yard split is 93rd percentile. So... Uh, he's got good burst similarly to what I talked about with tank Bigsby. He's got really good burst, not the best top end speed, but he's an average, average top end speed. Um, one thing I really like, one of the things I like most about rice is that he's a really good blocker out on the perimeter. And that's hugely important for me, uh, for receivers, especially if I'm not, it's not going to be my stud number one ride receiver. I need you to be able to block. Um, now, there's consistency issues, and I would honestly probably have him higher if he didn't have issues with some routine drops. Like he's maddening to watch because he'll make these highlight reel catches, and then it's like I swear it's like two plays later, ball hits him right in the hands and he drops it. So if he can get that consistency, I think he could be a really good player at the next level. It's gonna be a getting that consistency. And unfortunately, we've seen too many receivers come in with those dropped issues. And it just never gets fixed. And so that ultimately kept me from going even higher on Rasheed Rice. But I do like the player. I think he's got interesting potential uh, if he can get rid of those concentration drops. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go to Mark's number four guy. It is offensive tackle Blake Freeland. Uh, Mark has him at number 50 on his big board. He is number 73 on our consensus big board. So, Mark, uh, talk to me about Blake Freeland. Yeah, there's definitely a theme with my next two of just absolute freak shows. Uh, Blake Freeland is 6'8", 3'10". He had a, I, I believe, a not, yeah, 9.83 relative athletic score. 10 inch hand, size 10 hands, 34 inch long arms. I mean, this guy is just an absolute monster. And he, he actually tested incredibly well in terms of speed and agility, running a 499 and also testing really well in the splits and the shuttle and the three cone. He had the greatest vertical in the history of offensive tackles at the combine. A uh, really good broad jump. And obviously, yeah, we're taking him for the traits. This is a project. This is a guy we're, we're putting down the line and hoping that the traits come through. But the funny thing about that is, and it's, it's kind of a theme with my next two guys, is that we're talking about them like they're entirely projects when they're both pretty experienced. And uh, this one, Blake Freeland was the nation's second highest graded tackle this year behind Notre Dame's Joe Alt, who's expected to be a first-round pick next year. He allowed only seven combined hurries over the last two years. He allowed zero sacks in 2020, allowed zero sacks in 2022, and only one in 2021. Three great PFF grades, a 91 PFF grade in 2022, a 90.7 pass blocking grade, 87.9 run blocking grade, really good at both at BYU. He's one of the class's most experienced tackles, 2,690 career snaps, the second most among tackles in this draft. And this is coming from a former converted high school quarterback and tight end. He also was a thunderous dunking high school basketball star, a you know just an absolute beast on the basketball floor. You saw that in the vertical with the highest vertical we've ever seen from an offensive tackle. He switched from right tackle to left tackle, showing he can play both. I think he's got really good hand usage uh, in terms of he's got really long arms and he uses them well. Um, He's definitely at his best on the move. It would serve him well to add some muscle to his frame. Um, But we're seeing guys like Mel Kuyper put him in the first round now. And people are saying he's climbing up the boards and You know, I would not be shocked if this was a guy the Eagles looked at and said, hmm, put him in Stoutland University with Lane Johnson. And in two years, we think we can add 20, 30 pounds and teach him how to play football. And I say teach him how to play football, but, you know, he played pretty well at BYU. So I don't think he's as much of a project as other people think. I know he had his struggles at the Senior Bowl. I know there's reason to be concerned about the frame, but man, the traits are all there. All right. Uh, let's go on to Dibes number four guy. It is quarterback Tanner McKee out of Stanford. Dibes has him number 50 on his big board. He is number 99 on our consensus big board. Dibes, why do you like a quarterback that can't move? <laughs> exactly. Like if this was the year 2000, Tanner McKee would probably be a first round lock, right? Uh, but, um, you know, this is a guy. Uh, that was in survival mode uh, in 2022. We had a lot to deal with when it comes to, uh, you know, pass protection. He played behind the eighth lowest graded pass blocking offensive line in the power five last year. Uh, this guy's a polished passer. 
Uh, great footwork, great timing, great accuracy. Uh, his 2.51 second average time to throw was the second quickest of any quarterback uh, in this draft. So um, you look at this guy, again, great size, great arm. Um, and I think he's a better prospect than the stats suggest. Um, let's talk about Hendon Hooker. He had a great season at Tennessee. Some fans are now saying this is a first or second round talent for a guy that's already 25 years old and will be 26 before his rookie season is over. McKee just turned 20, well, is about to turn 23 years old. I agree, Shane. He's, uh, you know, not, he's a liability when it comes to getting out of the pocket and he doesn't move well. And that often leads to sacks. But, uh, you know, I think McKee could be a great fit for a team that wants to kind of run a throwback passing offense with a lot of play action that already has a really good offensive line. Um, I think what he does really well is he makes really good reads. Uh, and I think he throws the ball really well, uh, accurately with anticipation. And he's got a true skill set there. So Tanner McKee, I think, is being slept on. Yeah, I'm, I'm just out on quarterbacks <laughs> that can't move. Uh, I did my best. <laughs> yeah, you did your best. It was a it was a good argument. I can't call it a convincing argument, but if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, I was dug in already. Um to me he's just he is a pocket passer with bad pocket presence. He doesn't do a good job of dealing with pressure inside the pocket. Hold up. And hold up. Hold up. No. I'm not going to take this from Mark, who was Carson Strong's <laughs> biggest fan last year. I will not have it, Mark. I will, I will say I will say, hey, I, first of all, I was way wrong on that. That was a bad take by me. But Sometimes we all, learn from our mistakes, Dibes. We learn from our mistakes. Third of all, that guy's knees, I think, are like the worst knees in the history of knees. Like, I think Carson Strong can't walk comfortably. So I, I still am going to throw that little that little uh, asterisk on that. But, yeah, I, I did lower him by the time the draft came around. But, yeah, it, it was it was a bad thing. <laughs> All right, let's hit our last guys here. For me, it is wide receiver Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma. He is number 46 on my big board. He is 65th overall uh, amongst us on our consensus big board. <clears throat> I love Marvin Mims, and I never miss a chance to have some OU bias for sure, but Marvin Mims is just, he's such a good receiver in my opinion. He's he does such a good job of tracking the football deep and he's got such good body control. He had a 51 and a half percent reception rate on deep passes this year. Um, he's got experience as a punt returner. He's got rack ability. You could scheme him touches. You can send him deep on shots. He averaged 20 plus yards per reception in each of the last two years with two very different quarterbacks, uh, one right-handed one left-handed by the way. So uh, if the Dolphins want to go draft him, he's used to catching passes from a left-handed quarterback. Not that they need another deep threat, but uh, 90th percentile speed. He's undersized, but for this draft class, is 5'11", 183 really that undersized? I mean, that's that's almost a big receiver in this draft class. So, um, Like Jalen Hyatt, he ran in a bit of an offense that doesn't translate real well to the NFL, but I think Marvin Mims is a great example of a guy that you could put in the slot and you can use him as a vertical threat out of the slot. You can scheme him some touches. You can get him some special teams reps. And I think he can contribute in a lot of ways. And I've got a second round grade on Mims, 
I don't think he's going to go in the second round. I think he's going to slip a little further than that. And I think whoever eventually stops his slide uh, is going to get a massively underrated player. So that's what I've got on Marvin Mims. Um, Mark, you're, Oh wait, you didn't have a comp for Marvin Mims. How dare you? It says, it says, Oh wait, I missed it. It says right here. Your, your comp for Marvin Mims was Justin Jefferson slash Reggie Wayne slash <laughs> CD. Uh, yeah. 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 All those guys. Okay. Awesome. So Mark loves Marvin Mims. Uh, <laughs> let's I, go on. I did a comp. I did a comp for the relevant players in this draft club. No, I'm joking. Um, I, I did a comp for the top, my top 60. And then I sprinkled in like outside of that for ones that I already had. Um, but I, I am writing an article that'll be out on Philly influencer with player comp. So that'll be out later this week. All right. I expect the Justin Jefferson slash Lynn Swan <laughs> slash. <laughs> insert every uh, good receiver here. So let's go to your last guy, Mark. Uh, it is Titan Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion. He is 60th on your big board, 81st on our consensus big board. It should be no surprise that Mark loves Zach Kuntz because he has a 10.0 relative athletic score. <laughs> and his comp, his comp for Zach Kuntz is Jelani Woods, who prior to this year, last year, also had the 10.0 relative athletic score. So Mark loves... Uh, athletic tight end uh, and I'm right there with you but he's higher for you than me so talk to me about Zach Kuntz yeah we both loved Jelani Woods last year and he's very much the Jelani Woods of this year 6'7 255 the greatest combine performer of all time I think he even they both had a 10 but I'm pretty sure he tested better than Jelani Woods did I saw people saying so it was technically like better I think it was number one um, at the tight end position Huge hands, long arms, elite bench, elite broad, elite vertical, elite 40, elite splits. Uh, you know, this is an absolute unicorn. He's the Tariq Woolen of this draft, even beyond the Jelani Woods of this draft, uh, in, in my opinion. Um, but even if he's a raw project, he checks every box physically and athletically. And just like Freeland, I don't know how raw Kuntz is. Like this, there's a chance that we're overselling how raw Kuntz is as a prospect. And I understand Old Dominion, so it skews things a little bit. But he, he only played five games this year at Old Dominion, and he was disappointing. He caught 12 of his 28 targets. He had a bad quarterback, but he showed tremendous upside in 2021. And that's why I'm saying we don't know how raw he is because 2021. He had 73 catches for 112 on 112 targets for almost 700 yards and five touchdowns, where he was almost the focal point of the entire offense. He plays more like a big receiver than a tight end, which is interesting to say about a guy who's 6'7", 255. And when you watch him run, it's not like you're like, oh, that guy's a tight end. You're like, oh, that guy's a receiver. That's how fast this guy is at, at that speed or at, at that size, I should say. Um, Old Dominion had Koontz lined up all over the field. They even put him in the slot. They put him out wide. They put him at tight end. They put him at Y at F. He's not going to make you miss, but he will run you over. So um, I think Zach Koontz is a really, really interesting prospect. Yeah, he actually, so he bumped Jelani Woods down to a 9.99. Oh. So that that's the way the, the relative athletic score can only have one 10.0. It's like it raises the scale mm -hmm. whenever there's a new most athletic and it'll recalculate. So he edged him out by 0.01. But yeah, so, I love Zach Kuntz. I think he's a good route runner, surprisingly so. And so I think that he you know, he's not a good blocker. Uh, but I think he can immediately come in and be a receiving threat for you. I think I, I'm with you. I think we're overselling a little bit how raw he might be. Yeah, I, I totally agree. All right. 
Let's throw it here to Dibes for his last guy. It is defensive back Chris Smith, the second out of Georgia. Dibes, you have him 53rd on your big board. He is number 100 on our consensus big board. Uh, Talk to me about Chris Smith. Yeah, I've always been really high on this dude. Uh, Really good at pretty much all facets. Uh, Has Plays with a lot of moxie. Plays with a lot of confidence. Uh, His versatility and leadership, you know, stand out. He was a captain and key guy uh, for Georgia's two historically dominant defenses. Uh, Georgia used Chris Smith in a a lot of different ways, playing deep, moving into the box, playing in the slot. I think he can cover ground really quickly, uh, but his physicality and willingness as a tackler uh, really lets him dominate uh, in the box at the line of scrimmage. Uh, He can read route combinations in front of him and react in a flash. Over the past two seasons, past two seasons, he's allowed uh, 38 of 60 targets his way to be completed for just 341 yards and two touchdowns compared to his six interceptions. He's got some missed tackles on film for sure. Uh, I love his aggressive mindset, but sometimes he does come in a little, in a little too hot. Uh, he missed 11 tackles in 2022, and he's got a 15.1% miss rate. Um, he showed up. The, uh, he showed up at the combine, uh, weighing 192 pounds, and then ran a 4.62 in the 40. That killed his draft stock for sure. I believe he plays faster than that. Uh, I see Chris Smith as a high floor safety prospect that probably should be drafted on day two. This guy's just a football player, and I, I think he's one of the more complete safeties and best football players in this class. Uh, if he could become a little bit more reliable as a tackler, I think the sky's the limit. I don't understand, like my other guys on this list, why people are sleeping on Chris Smith after doing it at such a high level again and again and again for Georgia. Yeah, I think that his combine performance really, really hurt him. That 2.77 relative athletic score and safety is one of those positions where athleticism may not matter as much as it used to as teams are starting to go to more split field looks Uh, it doesn't require that center field speed but that's concerning for him and i think a lot of teams probably they, they have certain thresholds you have to hit and i would not be surprised if a lot of teams took him off of their board at that point and he may slide and i'm with you like if if he just tested poorly if he can you know, work on his technique and some of those things like he could still be a good player and he might be a really good value for somebody as he starts to slide down the board there. Yeah. For me, it's strictly combine. It it was literally all combine. I was watching the combine during my radio show and I looked at my producer and I went, Oh, this guy's supposed to be really good. Chris Smith. And then he ran the slowest 40 I've ever seen in my life. I know it was a four, six, two or whatever, but I remember watching it live. I was like, this is the slowest person I've ever seen move in my entire life. So I was just so shocked because I remember watching him on tape. I agree he doesn't play that slow, but the combine just scared scared me straight, to be quite honest. All right, and that is going to do it. That is the My Guys episode of the draft. Five guys for each of us that were considerably higher on uh, than the consensus amongst the three of us. Mark, what do you have? I have a surprise for the listeners that I'm also going to surprise the uh, the two co-hosts on here. Yeah, uh, because we're talking about who we're high on. Let's air out the dirty laundry. Let's talk about who we're low on. Honorable mention here. I'm just going to throw it out. Shane's five guys that he's the most out on statistically compared to me and dives. Tight end Michael Mayer. Wow. Tackle Cody Mock. Wide receiver Josh Downs. 
tackled Darnell Wright and his number one player that he's most out on. He can correct me if he wants, but it's Jalen Hyatt who he had at 52. Uh, dives his five. Hold on, guys. hold on, he's, hold on. Point, okay, of order. Point of order. I have Michael Mayer with a first round grade. How is he one of the guys I'm the most out on? He's like number 26 on my big board. 27. Uh, but he was 27 on the big board. Dives has him 13. I have him 17. So there's a gap okay, there okay. in the consensus. Also for Shane, it was a little harder to find guys he was like more out on. With me and Dives, we have guys ranked pretty surprisingly low uh, compared to consensus. Shane, it was hard to find a fifth guy. So you not having Mayer at tight end one kind of is what made me put him on there for you. But uh, Dives, the five guys Dives is most out on. Uh, we have wide receiver Jordan Addison. Tight end, Darnell Washington. Cornerback, Deontay Banks. Safety, Antonio Johnson. And the guy he's most out on in the entire class is quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And then my five guys I'm out on is uh, Edge, Nolan Smith. Defensive tackle, Brian Rizzi. Offensive tackle, Anton Harrison. Edge, BJ Ujolari. And then the number one guy I'm most out on in the entire draft class, and this should come at no surprise to anybody, is quarterback Will Levis. All right. Yeah, He's I think considerable number two buzz right now. <laughs> yeah, you want Marcus... to see a reaction on a live draft show? <laughs> if, if Will Levis goes second, there will be one from me. I think he's our odd favorite right now. Mark's going to be really upset. Because Nolan Smith is one of the guys he's most out on, and I think he's one of the more likely picks for the Eagles at ten. I I did my I did my mock draft though how things would go if I was the GM of every team, and he went number twenty nine to the Saints, and I had a Saints fan who's like, oh, that would be terrible if we got Nolan Smith as like, dude, Nolan Smith's probably going in the top ten. You would be thrilled if you got him at twenty nine. <laughs> I think he's going in that mid-teens area. Like, I think, well, Green Bay at 13 makes a lot of sense now. Like, he's a Green Bay type guy. So, um, I I think he goes in that teens. And by the way, like, I'm saying I'm out on Nolan Smith. The other four I'm really out on. Brzee, Levis, Harrison, and Ojolari, I'm pretty out on. Smith I have at 29. It's just relative to you guys. You guys have him both, I think, around 15-ish. Um, so it, it just pushed them. The consensus there means I'm pretty low comparatively. I mean, if they took, if the Eagles took him 10, I'd be upset compared to the other options available, but it's something I could pretty easily talk myself into. I just don't know about the immediate contribution. No question. A better draft pick than Lucas Van Ness. No question. I would rather Van Ness. No, I would definitely no, 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 absolutely not. Boo. Eagles you can Twitter send your hate mail for. at Mark Henry Jr. Underscore on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, he wants the Eagles to draft Lucas Van Ness. He wants them to trade up for him is what I just heard. Oh, that's not what I said. <laughs> I like him at 30. I like him at 30. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. So, okay. Well, it has been a fun draft season. I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, listening to our positional breakdowns, our My Guys stuff. If you have, be sure you follow these guys on Twitter. They put out a lot of great stuff on different places. I'm going to get them back on here next week and we'll break down everything the Eagles did in the draft. So we're going to see you guys on the other side of the draft. Uh, But before we get out of here, uh, Dives, I'll throw it to you first. Do you have any final thoughts, any last-second draft takes you need to throw out there? Uh, The floor is yours. Final thoughts. uh, Number 10 for the Eagles, I am looking at defensive line 
If my guys aren't there, I trade back. That is my mindset. Uh, has been for a while. Uh, Jalen Carter, if he's there, I'm taking him and celebrating. Um, but Miles Murphy, Tyree Wilson, um, those guys, if they're not there, trade back. And then uh, there's a lot of different possibilities uh, available for the Eagles. Uh, but that's 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 my my mindset right now. All right, Mark, any final thoughts, any last draft takes you need to fire off? Yeah, I mean, I'm similar boat as as dives. Uh, give me Murphy, give me Tyree Wilson, Jalen Carter. I, I'll throw in Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's definitely, he's in that group. There's only five guys that would excite me at 10. It's those four and Will Anderson. Will Anderson's not going to be there. So comes down to Murphy, Wilson, JSN, or, or Jalen Carter. Um, if they're not there, you're not going to take one of them trade back and my ultimate prediction would be that the Eagles trade back to about you know 17 to 20 something in that range and they either take Miles Murphy or Bijan Robinson all right I have two takes to to fire off here at the end and Mark's not going to like either of them so I'm just <laughs> going to say him mute him and then in the show uh, the first one is I think the Eagles are taking an offensive tackle with their first pick I think that's the direction they're going to go Absolutely not, nece- not. not necessarily what I would do. I think that's what they're going to do. It's definitely uh, possible. It's definitely possible. Nobody likes to build through the trenches like the Eagles. Uh, my second take, and Mark will love this one too. This one's a little bit in jest, but I uh, just got to get Mark riled up one more time. There's going to be a good wide receiver from Tennessee that comes out of this draft, and his name is Cedric Tillman. Cedric <laughs> Tillman. Like Tillman. Cedric Tillman is going to outperform Jalen Hyatt in the NFL. No, he won't. Well, that's a take. <laughs> That's a take. But wait, I, I'm curious. Am I I'm not the highest on Tillman? I'm honestly not sure. Uh I do I I like Tillman quite a bit. Let's see. You actually are. You're actually higher on Tillman than I am. You have him at 68. I've got him at 75. But I I, I like Tillman quite a bit. Uh kind of a big bodied receiver in a class that doesn't have a lot. And I just thought I could throw one throw a little more shade at Jalen Hyatt just as a parting shot here to Mark. He reminds me of Corey Davis when good version, like 2018, 2019, 2020 Corey Davis, not like current Corey Davis, but uh, he, he definitely reminds me of him. Uh, and by the way, Dives mentioned the Hendon Hooker slander earlier. So I'll just add, we're just firing takes off at this point, um, <laughs> but I'll just add in some Hendon Hooker slander. He is a total, total system and wide receiver merchant. Like he had Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman running around out there with one of the best play callers in the sport. If you take Hendon Hooker in the first round, you have certifiable donkey brains. Hendon Hooker is going in the first round. There is <laughs> no doubt in my I, mind. I, I don't think point. GMs are this stupid. They can't be this stupid, Shane. I I don't know. I, I would not in a million years do it, but I think he's going to. I've got a third round grade on Hendon Hooker. Same. So, all right. Anybody else? Any other last takes you need to fire off before we Eagles ride off should- into the sunset? Eagles should a thousand percent not draft Bijan Robinson uh, at number ten. That should not be a move for the Eagles, and I'm st- I'm gonna die on that hill. I think people, uh, as we get closer to the draft, are starting to kind of sell themselves to the idea of Bijan Robinson and a running back. That's what we're doing here, and it is just wrong thinking for what the Eagles do. Uh, what what prospects are available on day two? Uh, value-wise, I get it would be so much fun. Don't get me wrong. The first two, three years would be a blast. But I, for the life of me, refuse to believe how he's going to suddenly change his mentality 
and go win now in this draft. That is not going to happen. Howie will would rather trade back and accumulate assets um, and get like a future first round pick than draft B. John Robinson. One last ahead, take. Mark. I've said this before. Howie Roseman loves drafting receivers. Nick Sirianni is a former receiver. He's a former wide receivers coach. The Eagles will take a receiver either at 30 or 62. All right. There you have it, folks. We're going to end it right there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, following along with the BGN Draft Show this offseason. It's been our pleasure to break down these players for you guys. I hope you've enjoyed the content. I hope you can wow everybody you watched the draft with, with all the knowledge you gained on the BGN Draft Show. Keep it tuned right here to the BGN Draft Feed or the BGN radio feed, excuse me. There's going to be a lot of content pumping out over the rest of this week, getting you ready for the draft, reaction shows to the draft, and in the weeks to come as we break down everything that happens. So keep it tuned right here. Like, rate, subscribe, review, all of those things. We really appreciate it. It helps us get the show out there. And so for the last time before the draft, I'm going to sign off by saying, Go Birds. <laughs>